You're listening to The Pastor's Cut, a podcast from Park Community Church in Chicago. Every time a pastor prepares a sermon, there's material that influences, shapes, and informs, but gets cut from the final preach. That's why we started The Pastor's Cut, to give you a chance to go behind the scenes and access the content that informs the teaching at Park each week. If you're wanting to grow in your understanding of and fascination with the Bible, you've come to the right place. This is The Pastor's Cut, and we're your hosts, Sharon Brandis and Trevor Lovell. Hey, everyone. We are so excited for today's guest. He has, He's back from a six-week sabbatical, so it's good to see his face in the office. Yes, good to be back. This is Kenson Lamb. That's me. <laughs> we are so glad that you're here today, and we're ready for... You've got a lot of notes over there. It's a, a big pile of I do. Papers. I prepared for this. I yeah. prepared. I got I was nervous because I know Trevor's here and I know that he <laughs> preached on the exact same sermon. <laughs> and then even before we started this, Sharon said how she heard a really good sermon from Anthony on this. So mm-hmm. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling yeah. it right now. I got I'm I'm dressed ready to impress. Let's yep. do this. Yeah. He is. Yeah. Well, I just want to say real quick, Kenson. Um, I, I really enjoyed your preaching. When you preached a lot, you were in the teaching role yeah. uh, when my wife and I first started coming to Park, and we got to listen to you preach quite a bit. And uh, I enjoyed that, and I've missed it the past couple of years. I think it's been a while since I've heard you preach. Yeah, I've so. been here for at least three years. Yeah. yeah. So this is going to hopefully uh, satisfy that longing a little bit today. Well, hey, thanks for uh, <laughs> saying that. Thanks for mm-hmm. still being here at Park and yeah. being a pastor now. That's great. That's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so can you share a little bit about what your role is now and how you came sure. into it? Yeah, so um, I joined Park back in January of 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, so born and raised here in Chicago, came to know Jesus through a local church ministry in Chinatown, uh, met my wife there, had my first kid there, so forth. And then uh, around uh, 2009, Park was looking to launch its first location in the near South area, specifically South Loop. Mm-hmm. I got on the radar, had lunch with Jackson, he mm-hmm. cast the vision. He talked about the neighborhoods. He talked mm-hmm. about Jesus. And I'm like, yes, I want to be a part of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, so I joined staff January 2010, had the opportunity to launch our first location uh, in a university village uh, area. So, mm-hmm. pastored that location for about three and a half years, uh, came into the teaching role for about two and a half years. Yeah. And now I've been serving as the Bridgeport location pastor for the last three years and loving it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. University Village. University Village. That's it. UIC. Go Flames. Go Flames. (laughs) And when you were launching that, I was still in college. It was literally a block away from my apartment. (sighs) That's a miss. That's a miss. Halstead and Maxwell, (laughs) and I was at Halstead and 14th, and I had no idea Park was even there. Oh, my. You know, we we were meeting in like a little small little storefront, and We were trying to reach out to the folks who were there, but like UIC is a commuter school. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when we would try to do like evangelism, like on, on the UIC campus on the weekend, there's like no one there to, like, to, <laughs> to talk to. So like we want to invite them to church, but there's like no one there nope, at all. Yeah. It's such a unique college town because mm-hmm. everyone goes home. Even if they live on campus, they like, they like live in like one of the suburbs. So they just go home. <laughs> it's, it was so, it was so weird, but you know, God yeah. worked out. You're here at park now. So I know and feeling really old right now too. My goodness gracious. You're a student there when I was pastoring. Oh man. I thought, I thought we were peers, but okay. All right. We are. We are. <laughs> okay. We are now. now we are. You're really old yeah. now. Okay. Yeah, God had a different plan. But That's right. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, we're still in the book of Exodus. Yes. Almost done. And for those of us that didn't hear your sermon, can you give us a brief recap of what you preached on? Yes. So the chapters were Exodus 28 and 29 for me. Um, and it's about 
uh, God now ordaining uh, and prescribing uh, the priesthood. So uh, the idea, the big idea, the theme, um, the question that God laid on my heart as I was reading these two chapters, and even the chapters before and after, was this idea of, of what does it look like to enter into God's presence? Because obviously we just had the tabernacle, which was all about God being with his people. So now he sets up the priesthood, people who are going to work you know, in the tabernacle, who are going to serve and so forth. And God begins to lay out all these prescriptions and standards to what it looks like you know, to do that. So for me, the big question I was just trying to answer is, you know, what does it look like for us to enter into the presence of God? And for this sermon, I really want to hit hard on this idea of reverence. Mm-hmm. To understand that, yes, that God, we run to Him, we cry out to Him, He's close, you know, He's, he's never more than a prayer away. There's a beautiful informality that comes with being with God. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, just to remind folks that our God is also great, the creator of the universe. The only reason we're here today, this morning, is because God allowed us to wake mm-hmm. up. We don't think about these things, but there's incredible reverence that we should have for God. And the danger mm-hmm. that I'm just worried about is that sometimes that it's in our casualness that we can forget all of that. So from the passage, I just laid out three points. Um, the first one is this, is that when it comes to um, being before the presence of God, it demands holiness. Mm-hmm. The second point is that it demands mediation, which is the role of the priest. Mm-hmm. And then the third point is that it demands a better priest, which mm-hmm. leads me uh, to Jesus Christ. And I was very intentional about using the word demand because I wanted the sermon to, f- to have the weight of yeah. God's reverence, of God's holiness, that yeah. God is great, you know, and, and we're small. So that's why mm-hmm. I use the word demand. Yeah. Hey, before we move on, can you expand on that gospel connection a little bit more between Jesus and the high priest? Yeah. So actually in my sermon, um, towards the end of it, I actually went... Uh, to Hebrews, which is Mm -hmm. a book that uh, gives a lot of commentary on a lot of the Old Testament types, people, and persons. And Mm -hmm. uh, there's no better book, uh, I believe, in the the New Testament that helps Mm -hmm. us to interpret the Old Testament with the lens of Jesus. So the way I I got there was, first off, was laying out like what the priests were doing and just showing how how lacking the system was that we see over and over again that the priests were continually sacrificing day and night, over and over again. Blood was everywhere. It was thrown on the altar. It was thrown on the garments. It was, you know, it was on the earlobe, the big toes, everything. Like yeah. blood covered everything. You just, you sit there and, and you just like, you just have to ask yourself like, why? Like this is just, seems mm-hmm. like a, such a ridiculous system mm-hmm. for God to do this. So you have to just ask yourself in your heart, why would God give us a system, a priestly and sacrificial system that seemed to be lacking, that it didn't really offer a final solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and the book of Hebrews, the author basically says the reason that this was happening was so that it would make you long for a better priest, mm-hmm. a high priest. And this is where the author of Hebrews does so well, where he takes all these different attributes and duties of the high priest and says, yeah. Jesus is greater and better, that he is the ultimate high priest, and mm-hmm. he is the final sacrifice that ever has to be given. So um, so that's how I got there with, with my sermon. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. I ask because uh, Kenson has a reputation of being one of the best uh, gospel thinkers on staff amongst the well, pastors, I don't know about and that. so I yeah. wanted to hear some of that gospel sauce from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you for giving me the opportunity to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so what, what are some of the things that got cut from your sermon? Uh, well, thank you for asking because uh, a lot got cut. Just so, just so you guys have an idea of kind of my sermon prep process, 
for me, uh, for a typical sermon, for about 35 minutes, and I talk on the faster side, is about 4,500 words. Mm-hmm. Uh, for this sermon, it was about 9,000 words. So I cut out <laughs> yeah. literally a half a, a whole other sermon from mm-hmm. this. And the way that it happens is that in my prep process, I've just learned that put everything down, just mm-hmm. just dump everything out, write every insight that I have, every copy and paste, any commentary insight that I saw, give any illustration I can think of, and I just lay it all out there. Mm-hmm. And really the hardest part of the sermon is not in that part, it's actually in the, in the, in the next two days where now I have to cut mm-hmm. all of this. So yeah. today I'm prepared, I have more than you can want, I'm sure. Um, so one thing that I cut, uh, the one that comes definitely to the top of the surface is that I really just wanted to hit on this sermon, the idea again, of this idea that God loves to be with his people. I didn't share this in my sermon, but at the end of chapter 29, after God in chapter 28 talks about the garments and what, how you need to wear them, how you need to prepare them, how they need to be made, and then in chapter 9 talking about the priests and, and, and how they're to wear this and how they prepare themselves and, and all the different offerings that they have to make, you sit there and you're just like, oh, this is just so much. Mm-hmm. But then the good news kicks in at the end of chapter 29, after God's like, all right, let me just take a pause here and tell you why. Verse 42, 29, chapter 29. It shall be a regular burnt offering throughout your generation at the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet with you to speak to you there. Verse 43, there I will meet with you with the people of Israel. Verse 45, I will dwell among the people of Israel and be their God, and they will know that I am their Lord that brought them out of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord, their God. You know, what was really powerful in seeing that is that again, with the priesthood, again, it's just God laying out his heart and saying to us, I want to be with you. I want a relationship with you. And, and the power of just the priesthood, and this really hit me as I was working on the sermon, is that when God gives us the priesthood, sometimes I can think that, oh, you know, it's just kind of an, an obligation God had to do. It's very rigid. It's so, you know, it's just rules, it's laws, you know. And, and, and that's what I think about the priests. But actually, as I read these verses, I start to see that, no, that when God gives us the priests, it's not meant to give us more laws. It was actually given to us as an act of grace. Mm-hmm. Because the only response God's holiness can have towards sin is to utterly destroy it. That, that's the mm-hmm. only response to it. And thus, God needs to utterly destroy us. So when God gives us the priests, he's saying, I have made another way than condemnation. Mm-hmm. I have made another way that I will go ahead and accept a sacrifice from an imperfect human being, an imperfect yeah. priest, mm-hmm. and I'll accept a lamb, a dove, a ram, a pigeon, whatever, yeah. to be an acceptable sacrifice for a sin that you committed against me, which in itself mm-hmm. is a ridiculous idea to even mm-hmm. think about. But God says, I'm willing to accept these things yeah. so that we can have a right relationship, so that sin does not have to destroy this. And, and I mm-hmm. love this. And Again, what we see here in chapters 28 and 29 is the continual redemptive narrative that we see all throughout Scripture, Mm -hmm. God wanting to be with His people. In the Mm -hmm. very first book, in the book of Genesis, God is with His people, Adam and Eve, walking with them. And in the book Mm -hmm. of Revelation, God is with His people again. it's, It's a beautiful picture. But what happens in the middle of all that is that we keep finding ways to screw it up. We keep finding ways to sin. We keep finding ways to wander. So God's like, let me help you guys out. 
I'll give you the law. I'll give you the tabernacle. I'll give you the priest. I'll give you my prophets to speak truth to you. And when that wasn't enough, God's like, fine, I'll give you Jesus Christ, my son. That's got to be enough. We killed a guy, right? (laughs) You think think God will be done. But no, God's like, fine. You know what? I'm going to put the spirit in you try to get rid of that right you know you just you just have to think man like this is just who our god is he he just loves to be in relationship with us and and, and i and i cut that out I, I felt like i hit that hard enough um otherwise this would have been like a 50 minute sermon but mm-hmm. man just to me like i was just again just so awed that that a great and holy god wants to be with me mm-hmm. right that's mm-hmm. that's just a beautiful mm-hmm. thing to think about yeah i'm curious what if someone listening uh, that's a believer feels distant from God, or even they have a friend that um, doesn't feel like they have a relationship with God right now, or it's just not present. Um, what would you say just to be reminded for those people that God does want a personal relationship with us, right? Like Adam and Eve in the garden yes. before sin. Um, and thankfully through Jesus, we, um, have the spirit within us after we accept Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, what advice would you give to someone that says like, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus, but God's just far from me right now. Right. Yeah. One of the great uh, privileges um, that we have here at park. And I know this is true across all all our locations is that we on a daily weekly basis, get people like that sitting in our seats. And uh, I never want to take that for granted. Um, So yeah, so Mm -hmm. this is not great question. And this Mm -hmm. is one that, uh, I've had a chance to engage with many people about. So first off, um, I believe in a sovereign God, and I believe that nothing ever, ever happens by accident. So the very fact that this person is here, sitting here today, at this time, uh, with this preacher, with this passage, mm-hmm. with these kind of thoughts, dealing with the circumstances that have led you to ask these questions, I don't believe any of that is an accident. So when I have a chance to grab coffee with someone like that, the first thing I just spend time doing is just pointing that out and just saying that the questions you're asking are are not an accident. God is trying to get your attention. Mm -hmm. And what I want to do is just help them to continue to ask them to reflect and to think, you know, in what other areas in this season of life, have you just seen God prompting you that yes, God sometimes can write in the sky. He can come through the loudspeakers, Mm -hmm. but God can also come through a whisper. How has he been whispering to you lately? And that's just a really important journey because that's when the pursuit of God doesn't become something that you hear from a pulpit, but it becomes something that's very personal. Mm -hmm. And that's usually just a really exciting journey for them just to be able to see like, wow, like I saw God in that moment. I I saw God in this decision. I saw how this could have never happened, but but yet it it happened. Mm -hmm. Those are all God moments. And then what I do from there is that I want to let them know that all these moments where you see God pursuing you, God in the kindest of ways saying, hey, I'm right here. I love you. I'm right here, is to let you know that it points to Jesus Christ. Just like how we've been going through the book of Exodus, and anytime we go through the New Testament books, um, or in the book of Hebrews, as we talked about, over and over again, everything that we see here is meant to point us back to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So that's what I want to do for the person, is to show them that all these things that have happened have not happened by accident. It is meant to lead you to Jesus Christ, who has done it all for you, who loves you, who secures you, who hears every prayer, who feels every tear that you cry. He's there for you. So, mm-hmm. so that's how I would encourage them, pray for them, and just let them know that, that this, that this is a, a, a God moment. And mm-hmm. for me, when I have these conversations, it's super exciting because 
I know that the only reason that they're even having this is because God is stewing and stirring something uh, in mm-hmm. their own hearts. Yeah. So, yeah. I love that. That gave me chills. <laughs> when you were explaining the one part in the middle, that was yeah. really good. Yeah. 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 So what else got cut? You know, uh, something else I got cut was a, was, a, was a quote that I really wanted to give, but uh, I just didn't have the time to give it. And also, I felt like um, I was already hitting the point so hard that I felt like this was just overkill. So this was actually, a, to give some context, where I was really hitting hard on this idea of God's holiness and just, and just not minimizing it. So this mm-hmm. is the quote from Tozer, from his book, The Knowledge of the Holy. Holy is the way God is. To be holy, he does not conform to a standard. He is the standard. He is the standard. Now, the reason this quote was just so powerful for me uh, was this idea that our human condition, mm-hmm. naturally, I think when it comes to God, is that it's just so easy for him for us to kind of take him for granted mm-hmm. and to treat him kind of at our own level and to say, like, you know what, like, yeah, I know that God's holiness is here. Yeah, I read the Old Testament that, you know, that if you walk into the tabernacle you know, wrongly or give unauthorized sacrifices, yeah, you could die. But you know what? That, that's mm-hmm. the God of the Old Testament. You know, mm-hmm. the God now is, you know, he's my buddy. You know what I mean? We can just hang out. You know, that, that's, that's who he is. And, and that's nice. That's beautiful. God calls his children. He calls his friends. There's a beautiful informality that comes with that. But what can happen is that in that casualness, we can bring down God's holy standard. Mm-hmm. And the danger in that is that when we bring down God's holy standard, we normally bring it down to our level, to a level that we think we can reach on our own, yeah. that I can be good enough. You know, I'm not perfect, but man, I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not bad. I do some pretty good things. And in the deep and in the depths of our hearts, we believe that we're acceptable. I accept myself. I accept you know, and I believe God will accept me, and, and this is what it is. And, and what I want to be very careful about is that when it comes to God's holiness, no one can meet God's standards. Mm-hmm. None of us are okay. We're not, there's no such thing as committing a sin and then God being like, ah, oh, that's all right, you know, wink, wink, you know, nod, nod, whatever, you know, just kind of let it go. Any and all sins is an insult to his character that anytime we come before God, we need to give him our very best. So, you know, mm-hmm. I just shared in my sermon how an example of how this plays out for me is even just in my own prayer life and how so often when I pray, you know, I'm, I, I bow my head and I start rambling. Uh, I get distracted. I go on tangents. I start thinking about different things. I, I repeat the same lines over and over and over again. And, and on some occasions, I, I just fall asleep on him. <laughs> and I would never do this to any of you guys sitting in this room right now. But yet when it comes to God, I'm like, Oh, that's fine. He'll be fine. I'll just talk to him tomorrow. He, this is no big deal to God. Mm. Like, I think that just exposes in, in some ways just my lack of reverence for him and how I've brought God maybe down to my standard and not to his standard. And things that I cut out were even more examples of this. You know, I started talking about, like, I didn't share this in my sermon, but like even coming to Sundays to worship and how we come and we're not prepared. We're distracted, you know. Uh, we just want to get it done. Uh, we stand up and we sing and and we don't even know what we're saying. It's just like these empty words coming out. We come up to receive communion and we have no regard for what Christ did on the cross. All of this is just taking him for granted. Or when yeah. it comes time to, to give of our offering, you know, we're thinking that, you know what, I'll, I'll just tip the jar here, but not thinking about like God deserves my very best. I think in all these things, we're taking God for granted that again, we're get, bringing God to our standard and not to his standard. This is why when you read in scripture, God says to give me 
your first fruits.、Mm-hmm. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, body, and mind. God deserves our highest affections. God has not changed.、Mm-hmm. His standards have not changed. And 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 that was a piece I, I cut out because I felt like for about ten minutes I was already hitting on this pretty hard. And、mm-hmm. at some point you just gotta let go of the pressure. So、mm-hmm. so I just said <laughs> I, I just gotta let this go. It's just it's just too much. It's you know I, they, they get the point. I can、mm-hmm. move on from here. Yeah. So as the director of finance, I, when I hear the word first fruits, I think about giving. Right. God、yeah. doesn't ask us to tip him. Right. Your tips on top of. Or it's your last.、Uh, That's right. Your last it, amount. It's on the top. It kind of comes from your leftovers. Yeah, like I exactly. Spent, I spent for everything else. That's been important for me. Yeah. And now God's like, ah,、oh, this is what I have leftovers. So here you go, God. Yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah. You know. Right. He instead tells us to give of our first fruits,、right. our gross income. But even from a posture of our first fruits, right? Like thinking about this prayer time. Am I coming to Him with a clear mind, not、mm-hmm. a tired mind? I I've fallen asleep praying before too. Like. How do we how do we clear our mind? How do we give them our best cognitive? That's right. You know,、mm-hmm. attention.、Um, even you said casualness, and I think of Park and how we're not,、uh, you know, a Sunday suit, Sunday best church. We bring coffee into the auditorium, and、um, that's that's taking it down to our culture and、yeah. what it is. But like, what does it look like to come into church in sandals or a hoodie or you know, are we Are we、mm-hmm. um, worshiping God、mm-hmm. through like the, the acts that you mentioned,、yeah. communion, serving,、um, worshiping? But are we also worshiping worshiping with、uh, our actions,、yeah. our outwardly appearance? Right. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, like with all those things, like falling asleep on God. Like I, I don't want to make it seem all legalistic. Like it's wrong to do that because also the image that comes to my head is like with my son. If I'm holding my son and he's just talking to me. Yeah, and he falls asleep on me. I'm not gonna be like, get up! You know, how dare you fall asleep on me? No, <laughs>、right. no, no, no. He's、right. he's my son. I love him.、Mm-hmm. I think the thing about it is just, do we do we take that all for granted?、Mm-hmm. So in the same way, I think, and you mentioned it right too, like kind of with with like with like sweats or flip flops, and I was like, again, it's not about the externals,、yeah. but I guess for me, more so, is like, are we coming prepared? Are we coming、yeah. excited that we get to come before the glory of God together、mm-hmm. in community?、Mm-hmm. That、yeah. right now, anytime His Word gets open, I hear from Him.、Yeah. Yes, this is exciting,、mm-hmm. and I feel so often that we don't have that kind of anticipation, and I think that's just、um, a reflection of maybe. The rest of the week, you know, are we living in light of just how great God is and what He's doing, and living before His His holiness and、mm-hmm. and grandness, and and again, I think the danger we need to watch out for is that is that God sets the standard, not 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 us, not us.、Mm-hmm. That's a really good reminder、yeah. to be worshiping、yeah. throughout the week, and then、mm-hmm. your posture on Sundays is just on、right. reverence, right? That's right. His holiness. Yeah, yeah. I think you were even saying earlier、um, that when we come to understand God's holiness, that our sin, it we see it differently. We understand it differently. That's、we're, right.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know the the two things with them,、um, with holiness and sin, they they go hand in hand. And what I mean by that is that as your understanding of God's holiness grows, as your reverence for God's holiness grows, sin、mm-hmm. also becomes more sickening. Yeah,、mm-hmm. it becomes more dark. You you begin to hate it more because you understand and grasp God's holiness. So sometimes the, the, the concern that I have here is that for those who might be too flippant with sin,、mm-hmm. um, that are just kind of like, well, it's no big deal, like, or, or that confession is not a regular part of your life. 
Um, the concern I have here is that do you have a great enough understanding of God's holiness? And this also leads to a very important application is that sometimes when people do sin, sometimes the first uh, response to it is that stop sinning or mm-hmm. don't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing about that is that that's not really the root issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The root issue is that this is a fight of the heart. And what's mm-hmm. happening here is that the reason that sin has become okay is because devotion to God, being set apart for God, mm-hmm. is not there. And, and this is really where the battle needs to be because if the relationship with God is there, if, if reverence for Him is there, if love for Him is there, then the things like fighting sin and all that stuff will be a natural outflow mm-hmm. from that. So, mm-hmm. so again, that, that's how holiness and sin like they, they play hand in hand. So mm-hmm. one speaks to the other. If you have great hol- if you have a really high reverence for holiness, mm-hmm. then you'll be fighting sin all the time. You'll be asking for help. You'll be in community. You'll be, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, like if if there is sin that is just rampant in your life and you're not fighting, mm-hmm. the question I have is, what is it saying about what you know about your God? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, and I think too, what is it um, revealing to you about being aware of his sacrifice? Yes. Yesterday, after coming to church, uh, I was talking to my fiance on our, on the drive out, and congratulations, by the way. Thanks. Awesome. Yeah. You've been out, awesome. so but thank okay. you. Okay. <laughs> um, I was talking about how, or we were talking about the blood of the sacrifices and how that must have been so it was normal to them right to see blood but how like also real that is right to have an animal die for the priest it was every day for others it was just certain days of the year um but you're seeing these animal sacrifices and yet those deaths didn't cause those people to stop sinning Mm -hmm. and it made me think um am i living in awe of the final atonement of jesus's final sacrifice to God mm-hmm. um, and letting that really sit with me and how even there's um, I don't want to say weightiness but there's a different weightiness because back then they had to atone over and over again yes where mm-hmm. now we're called to repent over and over again because we had that one mm-hmm. final atonement that's right and mm-hmm. so our weightiness is different but when we still live out of this reverence of Jesus's sacrifice, our actions, and even I think our brain like rewires because we're thinking about God instead of yes. um, our flesh and the desires of our flesh. And so, yeah, that was kind of our debrief after the, after the sermon, but like yeah. how, how cool is it to just sit in that and be in awe of God and all that he's done through those things. Yeah. Uh, something that I didn't cut for my sermon, <laughs> uh, so I want to share something I didn't cut was how I just shared that after the sermon was pretty much done, I just told them. And so I've talked about Jesus. I've talked about how he's the greater and better high priest, how he's the ultimate sacrifice where Mm -hmm. he did not come to fit into the priestly system. He came to fulfill it and to bring the sucker to an end. Love it. Awesome. And then I just shared at the very end, can you just imagine that if Moses and Aaron were sitting here, what they would be saying? They would be like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. You yeah. have Jesus? Yeah. You have Jesus? And I just wanted to let the... Fo- and the way I ended my sermon is I just looked at the congregation and I just said it like five times. You have Jesus. Amen. Mm-hmm. Do you realize just yeah. how jealous Moses and Aaron would have been of us? Yeah. We get to have this. We get to have the cross. They understood because of the sacrificial system and the priestly system just how high God's standard is. 
And guess what happens when you have a high understanding of that, that death is demanded? The cross doesn't get smaller. The cross gets mm-hmm. bigger in your life. Mm-hmm. Man, and, and that's, at the end of the day, for that sermon that I preached uh, on Sunday and for every sermon, that to me is the one is that when people see the cross is bigger, yeah. uh, that's a win every day, all the time. Mm-hmm. Right, Trevor? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, all right. Yep. There, there oh, we yeah. go. We're on the same page. All right, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Fully. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ken. So thank you for being with us. This was great. No. Mm-hmm. Glad, glad to be here. Thank you guys so much. I still have three other points here that I cut out. <laughs> so looking forward to part two here. All right. <laughs> part two. Part two. Thanks for listening this week. We are so glad to have heard from Kenson. Be sure to join us either Saturday night or Sunday for our services around the city. And tune in next week as we hear from our near north pastor, Nathan Payne. We'll see you guys then. <laughs>